being engaged in prayer. Uh, I put a little graphic thing up there to kind of show what that might look like. And here's what I think it might look like. One just fuels the other. That we, as we are engaged in prayer for ourselves and, 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 and intercessory prayer for others and just prayer of just a time of fellowship with our Heavenly Father, that that prayer ought to be fueling our mission. And then the mission that we're on ought to be fueling our prayer. And then the prayer that we're praying ought to fuel our mission. You see how it just keeps going? But we, we get, most of us get way too focused on one or the other. That, that, and I don't know if we can be too focused on prayer. But that we ought to be prayerfully engaging in the mission that God has called us to. And our mission fuels our prayer and our prayer fuels our mission. That's what I love for, for us to see in our lives as a body and for me to see in my own life as your pastor question though is what is Jesus mission Jesus is praying now but now he says okay we can go but remember the crowd wants Jesus to come back and work more miracles but what does Jesus do let's look at verse 38 and he said to them let us go on to the next towns that I may preach there also for that is why I came out Jesus states his purpose They want Jesus the miracle worker, but Jesus' ministry, at least at this season, is focused on what? Preaching. I came to preach, Jesus says. I know there's more sick people, and I know there's more people with unclean spirits, and I know they are in awe of my miracles, but I came to preach, came to teach. So let us go on to the next town so that I can do that. Remember, that's how Jesus' ministry started. Back in verses 14 and 15, you remember that? As Jesus engaged in his public ministry it says in verse 14 he came into galilee proclaiming the gospel of god and saying the time is fulfilled the kingdom of god is at hand repent and believe in the gospel the first thing jesus does as he's released for public ministry is he proclaims the gospel jesus is a teacher a preacher and that is what he came for he knows what his purpose is and so One application of that is, do we come to Jesus for that? When we come to Jesus, are we coming for a word of truth? Are we coming to hear the teaching of Jesus? Or do we typically just come to Jesus when we need to see a miracle? When we need to see Him do something extraordinary in our life, that is a good time to come to Him. But do we also come to Jesus as our teacher? That's part of the reason that He came. And then... I love just looking at this and seeing how Jesus had his priorities lined up. He knew what he came for. And because he knew what his priorities were, he could say no to other things. We could learn a lot from that. You know what I'm saying? We could learn a lot from that. What is at the top of your priority list right now at this season of your life? What does God have you here for? Ask yourself that question. What is God, what are the top priorities in my life right now? And then, then do the hard thing. Like you, you can, you know the Sunday school answer to that question, right? You can answer that question. But then do the hard thing and look back at your week this last week and say, do what I say the priorities are in my life. Does that line up with how I spent my time this last week? If you just, if I just gave somebody my calendar for this last week, and had them look at that, would they be able to tell that what I think my priorities are are really my priorities? Or would they look at my calendar and how I spent my time and say, I could, your priorities really don't look that much different than anybody else who's not a disciple of Jesus. 
looks kind of just like everybody else's. Could they do that? Knowing what our priorities are allow us to say no to certain things. Jesus said, no, I'm not going to go to Capernaum again. I know they want me in Capernaum. I know they want a miracle worker. But no, I'm going to go to other towns that I may preach because that's what I'm here for. If we know what our priorities are, it allows us to say no to other things. Maybe that's something you need to do this week is sit down and think through what are my priorities and what does that allow me to say no to. Notice that they're leaving Capernaum. It says in verse 39, And he went throughout all Galilee, preaching in the synagogues and casting out demons. Jesus begins to travel. And you think of the disciples. Remember, Mark's a lot about discipleship. And these disciples had left everything to follow Jesus. Remember, everything that gave them security. Everything that gave them security in their finances and their future and their family. All that stuff. They left it to follow Jesus. But at this point, they were still in their hometown. Everything's still pretty familiar. They could still be around the people that they knew pretty well. But now, they're starting to leave their comfort zone. Jesus is taking them out of the town of Capernaum to go other places. They're following. Okay? And then, we see, kind of the second part of the sermon comes in verses 40 through 45. Jesus is going out to preach and teach in synagogues, casting out demons. And then it says, and a leper. Again, we could look at this and just kind of think, another sick person, guess what Jesus is going to do? Heal him. That's what Jesus always does. Sick people, heal him. Leper, heal him. But I think we need to stop for a second. Because I don't think we understand, and maybe you've studied, and maybe you do understand, but we at least need to be reminded of what it means to be a leper in this day. Because otherwise we just read over this like, oh, another sick guy, Jesus heals him. Here's what it meant to be a leper. This guy was sick in more ways than we know. Now the term for leprosy there was much broader and more general than the term that we use for leprosy today. The disease that still exists, the, the form that we talk about today is, is more, more specifically called now Hansen's disease or something like that. It could have been that. We don't know. The term here is very general. Basically, this guy had a skin disease. We don't know the extent of that skin disease. If it was the disease that we're talking about today, that type, that resulted in a loss of feeling. So talk about like the physical hurt that this guy's going through. It resulted in a loss of feeling. And because of that, all sorts of strange things would happen to the body. There were sores that would get gross. There were just body parts that would become mutilated because you didn't have any feeling to let you know whether you were doing something that you shouldn't do. And so, so a leprous person often would because of the sores and a number of other things and some things that were going on internally, would smell horribly. Okay, So this horrible smell, sores all over your body, body parts becoming mutilated, something like that could have been what this guy was experiencing. So there was plenty of physical pain and physical hurt and physical consequences of this disease. But those consequences of being a leper, this guy was dealing with a lot physically. But that almost pales in comparison to everything else that he had to deal with. Not only does a leper experience physical symptoms, but in this culture would experience significant social and spiritual ramifications of having this disease. 
Let's look really quickly. Turn back to a spot in your Bible that might not be as used as other spots in your Bible. Turn to Leviticus chapter 13. You could, it's like a a medical manual if you read Leviticus 13 and 14. Very long. We're just going to look at two verses. Leviticus chapter 13, first at verse 45. This is the law of Moses given to Moses by God to give to the people, to God's covenant people. And here's some of the commands in it for those who are dealing with leprosy. Verse 45, The leprous person who has the disease, listen to this, shall wear torn clothes and let the hair of his head hang loose and he shall cover his upper lip and cry out, Unclean! Unclean! Just let that sink in for a moment. You come down with this disease. You become a leper. You have all these physical consequences. But what you now must do, you read more, what you now must do is you need to separate yourself from everybody. The friends that had been your close friends, you can no longer have any contact with you. They don't want to have contact with you anymore because they believe this was contagious and would make you unclean. So as a leper, all of your friendships, gone. Your family relationships, if you lived in a household with your family, you would have to leave that household. And most lepers in this day lived under a tree by themselves. And if people came near them, it was commanded that they would cover their upper lip and say out loud, unclean, unclean. Some of you have experienced social rejection. Maybe you are experiencing that. You know the pain and the hurt of being betrayed by people and not able to relate to people. Imagine being a leper and feeling that day in and day out. That the people you used to have relationship with now, as you come near them and you say, unclean, they all flee and scatter in another direction. So a leper would have experienced many physical consequences of the disease, but also many social consequences. The intense loneliness and rejection that a leper must have felt, none of us have probably known. They couldn't even be touched. We don't know what that feels like. There's a few people, maybe some orphans in our world, who might know what that feels like. Most of us don't know what it would be like to not even be touched ever by other people. Stay in Leviticus 13. I didn't stay in there. I'm going to turn back. Leviticus 13, if you want to look at verse 46, it says this. He shall remain unclean, as long as he has the disease, and it was incurable, he is unclean. He shall live alone, and his dwelling shall be outside the camp. Again, more social ramifications, but in there, we don't see it as much in our day. But what he's being told is you cannot live with God's covenant people. You cannot come to the temple. You are unclean. You are not fit to enter into God's house. You cannot come to God's place because you are unclean. You cannot engage in the sacrifices that take place there. You cannot talk to a priest because you are unclean. And anybody you touch is unclean. Anybody you come around is unclean. So you need to, you are spiritually unclean. And some of you have felt that. You have felt before our God dirty and broken and unclean and totally incapable of being in God's presence. That's how also a leper would have felt. So when it says in verse 40, 
of Mark chapter 1, and a leper, that's what we're talking about. That's the kind of person that's coming to Jesus. Look what it says. And a leper came to him. Whoa. Imploring him and kneeling, said to him, If you will, you can make me clean. Nobody does this if they're a leper. If you're a leper, you say unclean and cause people to flee from you. You would not have the reckless boldness to come before an important rabbi like Jesus and come to him. Any other Jewish man would have run in the other direction. But this this man, at at his wit's end probably, comes to Jesus and implores him, and he says two things. He says, if you will, you can make me clean. He doesn't just say, you can heal me. Listen to what he says, you can make me clean. That's what this man most needed. Not just healing physically, he needed to be made clean. That's what he needed. So he said, if you will, you can make me clean. He has great confidence in Jesus' power. But he's also very humble. Only if we could approach Jesus like this leper, recognizing who we really are and what we really deserve, that we would come before our God very humbly, but also with the confidence that Jesus, you can make me clean. And then, let's read verse 41. This is where it gets really good. Moved with pity. He stretched out his hand and touched him and said to him, I will be clean. I want to look at that word pity. It says Jesus was moved with pity. That's what it says in the English Standard Version. I almost always love the way that it translates it here. But they miss it, I think, a little bit here as as I did a little bit of studying. Uh, Your translation might say compassion. Um, That's a good word. Compassion, the, the new NIV, um, which I don't like for a lot of reasons, has a really good translation in this case. It says indignant. It says Jesus was indignant. The idea behind this is not, when we think of pity, at least when I think of pity, I think of like a, putting your head to the side and say, oh, you know, like that, like that kind of thing. You know what I'm talking about? Like that's pity, like, oh, that's not what this word means. This word, translated in the new NIV as indignant, or in some of your translations as compassionate, means that Jesus was so inwardly disturbed by what he saw, that he felt something deep in his gut, that he just looked at it and he like, oh, I don't like this. That feeling that you get as a parent when your kids get sick and you would take, do anything to take it from them and take it on yourself because you can't stand to watch your kid being sick, you, you know that feeling? That just, this is not right. That's what Jesus felt when he saw this leper. So grateful we have a Jesus that feels things, that feels that kind of compassion for us. So Jesus, the first thing we see about Jesus is that he felt compassion. Jesus' ministry is motivated by compassion for people who are physically, socially, and spiritually broken and in desperate need of cleansing. Say that again. Jesus' ministry is motivated by compassion for people who are physically, socially, and spiritually broken and in need of cleansing. 
So Jesus feels something deeply, but then also look what Jesus does. Moved with pity or compassion or indignance, he stretched out his hand and he touched him. Jesus feels deeply and he touches this man. Again, this man who had not had a kiss for sure, a hug for sure, a handshake probably not, and probably not even an accidental touch for who knows how long. Imagine what was communicated to him as Jesus stretches out his hand and touches him. Just imagine what that felt like. This man who was deemed as unclean by everybody and everybody fleed from him, but now Jesus reaches out his hand and touches him. Praise God that the Jesus we follow is strong and mighty and full of authority, but is not unwilling to stretch out his hand to touch dirty, broken, unclean people like you and I. And then Jesus does one more thing. He speaks. He probably didn't need to speak. I think he communicated everything he needed to communicate by just reaching out and touching this guy. But he speaks. And he says two things. It's only two words in Greek. He says, I will be clean. Two things. Jesus says, I will. I want to cleanse you. I know you can't believe that. I know you feel really dirty and you feel like there's no way. I've strayed too far. I'm too far away. I am too dirty. I am too broken. But Jesus says, I will. That's what our Jesus says. I will be clean. In 2 Peter 3.9, it says, The Lord is not slow to fulfill His promises. Some count slowness, but He's patient towards you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. You might be the kind of person that looks at your sin and your brokenness and your dirtiness and your uncleanness and your past and your present and you think, there's no way Jesus can do anything about that. Simply not true. Jesus wills. Jesus desires for all to come to repentance. So I hope you hear that this morning, that when, when you ask Jesus humbly and say, can you make me clean, that He would say to you, and you would hear Him say, I will. I desire that. And then He has the authority to actually make it happen. Then He says with one word in Greek, two words in English, be clean. That's all it takes. Jesus looking at you saying, I will be clean. He has the authority to pronounce that. And then look what happens in verse 42. And immediately the leprosy left him and he was made clean. Simple. Mark always does stuff very simply. Just like, you even have to, did you even need verse 42? You know, of course. The guy was a leper. Jesus touched him. Everybody else who would have touched this man would have become unclean. And he still would have had leprosy. And they would have become unclean. Jesus touches him, he becomes clean, and Jesus is still clean. Jesus has great authority. And then let's just go a little more quickly through these last couple verses where it says, And Jesus sternly charged him and sent him away at once and said to him, See that you say nothing to anyone, but go, show yourself to the priest and offer for your cleansing what Moses commanded for a proof to them. But he went out and began to talk freely about it and spread the news so that Jesus could no longer openly enter a town, but was out in desolate places and people were coming to him from every quarter. 
First thing that Jesus says to this guy is, be quiet. Don't be talking about this. And we already saw Jesus do this with a demon last week. He told the demon, don't say anything. And now Jesus tells this man who he's healed, don't say anything. And we still wonder why, and Mark still hasn't told us why. We won't really get to the answer until we get to Mark chapter 4 in the parable of the soils. We'll get there. But let, let it just be enough for now to say that the expectations that people had of Jesus as the Messiah were very different from the very real purposes for which Jesus came. And if people forced Jesus, tried to force Jesus into what they wanted him to be right now, it would not allow him to continue to do the ministry that God had called him to do. So he had to keep it a secret because they didn't understand what it meant for him to be the Messiah. He had to reveal that more to them before they were ready to acknowledge him as Messiah. Interesting though too, did you notice that Jesus has this guy? Two commands. He says, one, be quiet, and two, go to the priest. Did he have to go to the priest to be clean? No, he was already clean. Jesus said, I will be clean, and he was clean. said in verse 42, he was already clean. So why does Jesus have him go to the priest, as was commanded by Moses? Well, Jesus is just honoring the, the, the cultural um, climate at the time, that this man would not be accepted as clean by other people if he did not go to the priest and be declared clean clean by the priest. So Jesus says, fine, go ahead, go to the priest, be declared clean so that your social standing and your spiritual standing are back in place. So he tells him to go do that. We don't know that he did that, but we do know that what he did is he disobeyed the command to be quiet. He didn't. It says, but he went out and began to talk freely about it and to spread the news. And the effects are that Jesus can no longer openly enter a town. Now Jesus, interestingly, one commentator pointed out that I didn't really pick up on. The beginning of this story in verse 40, Jesus is the insider, the famous one, the one that everybody wants to be around. And this leper is one that nobody can even be around. Unclean, unclean. Everybody flees from him. Now Jesus touches him. Jesus, of course, is still clean and righteous. But this man becomes clean just by the touch of Jesus. And Jesus is now having to stay away from the crowds. He has to retreat to desolate places. Jesus trades places in a way with this dirty, broken, unclean leper. That points us to the gospel, doesn't it? In Isaiah 53, 700 years before Jesus even showed up, Isaiah prophesied this. He said this, Out of the anguish of his soul he shall see and be satisfied. By his knowledge shall the righteous one, my servant, make many to be accounted righteous, and he will bear their iniquities. Therefore I will divide him a portion with the many, and he shall divide the spoil with the strong. Listen, because he poured out his soul to death and was numbered with the transgressors. Yet he bore the sin of many and makes intercession for the transgressors. question for us as we close this morning is this. Do you know how sick you are? Do you know the extent of your spiritual leprosy? Have you witnessed how your sin not only separates you from other people, but from God? And do you know that Jesus looked on you in your brokenness, in your uncleanness, with compassion, and he stretched out his hand on the cross and took on your iniquity, took on 
your pain, took on your rejection, took on your sin upon Himself. 2 Corinthians 5.21 says, For our sake He made Him who knew no sin to become sin for us, so that in Him we might become the righteousness of God. This is the good news. This is the gospel of Jesus Christ. That Jesus sees us in our brokenness, in our uncleanness, in our spiritual leprosy. And He sees that. All of your sin. Past, present, and future. And He looks on that and He says, I will take that upon Myself. And I will bear your punishment in your place. I will absorb the wrath of the Father so that you do not have to absorb that and I will give to you my perfect life, my perfect righteousness. It's a totally unfair trade that is offered to us in the Gospel. It is what the leper receives, and it is what Jesus offers out to you. And if you have not, if you look at yourself and you just see your sin and your dirtiness and your brokenness, and you, you don't trust, you have not yet trusted that Jesus is able to take that all away from you, Our prayer is that you would trust that. Come and find me if you're interested in knowing more about what it means to put your faith and trust in Jesus. Find me after the service. Just be bold and courageous and do that. I want to talk to you about that.